thrilled today to have on the Charlie Reimer podcast my old friend. Wait, wait. I better not call her old. Uh, she's far from old. Um, and <laughs> and even when she does get old, a long, long time from now, uh, she's not not going to act old because she's very young at heart, uh, very energetic, and uh, will be until she's 115 years old. I'm thrilled to have uh, Susie Whaley uh, join uh, the uh, podcast today, and um, I, I call her old because, um, well, I'll just get away from that. Anyway, Susie and I uh, first met, uh, gosh, it's a little over 20 years ago, and I uh, had just gotten into broadcasting, and she was giving it a shot, and we were working for ESPN covering some LPGA events, and uh, it was always fun to not only work with her, but chat with her before and, and after the shows, because it was always very, very clear uh, how, how much she loved uh, this game, uh, still does love this game, and um, uh, a lot of folks might think her first love is playing, and she was a heck of a player, had a very nice career at at uh, University of North Carolina, gave the professional thing a, um, a good try, didn't quite work out for her, and uh, but she found out what uh, her real calling is, and that's to be a PGA professional, and, and her passion there, and you'd know this if you've ever seen her conduct a uh, golf clinic, is teaching. It's, it's making people as good as they can be at this game, introducing this game to people, in particular, uh, young people. And uh, of course, we know her from competing in the Hartford Open on the PGA Tour or her home course and playing very, very well. Uh, and and uh, then her service to the PGA of America and coming off uh, a, a two-year term now as uh, president of the PGA of America, the first female of the, of the uh, president of the PGA of America. And to those of us that know her, that's no surprise. A tremendous amount of work goes into into that achievement. A lot of service happens, a lot of meetings, a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls before you get a chance to uh, step up and be the president of the PGA of America. And uh, so, so it gives me a great honor that uh, she would spend some time with us on our show. And uh, so uh, we're thrilled to be joined now by Susie Whaley, the honorary president of the PGA of America. Welcome into the Charlie Reimer Golf Show podcast. And uh, on this show, we talk about golf, we talk about life, we talk about things that I'm interested in or things that I want to talk about because, after all, this is my show. And I'm thrilled to be joined now by the honorary president of PGA of America, Susie Whaley. We've been friends for a long time, Susie, back to calling some uh, golf together in our ESPN days. And... Um, Nobody loves the game as much as you do, and nobody loves teaching as much as you do. I, I tell people they've never seen anybody do a clinic or, or teach to a group, especially if it's young people, unless they've seen you do it. And even while you served your two-year term as president of PGA of America, I know you did a lot of teaching during that time period. I did. You're right. I absolutely love it. And uh, I especially love teaching young juniors uh, who are just getting into the game, women. I, I love teaching everybody. So for me, it just gives me great joy. And, and yes, we even did some clinics together uh, long ago back in the day when we were calling some golf. So we had some great fun. And PGA Junior League as well. I know you've been a wonderful captain uh, for quite a few of the PGA Junior League teams. But Susie, I, I want to talk to you about um, the the – these tough times that we've uh, been through 
uh, and are still dealing with this pandemic and the lasting ramifications that it's going to have. A lot of industries, a lot of sports have really struggled. The silver lining for those of us in the golf industry is it's almost like these tough times have reintroduced so many people to, to this game. We're bringing in new players. We, we've got lapsed players coming back to the game. It, is it, does it surprise you that, that golf has, has really stood out during these challenging times? Yeah, you know, I mean, last March when the world shut down, all businesses shut down, not just golf. Uh, and we knew immediately we had to get it reopened. I mean, golf's a socially distanced sport. We, we tr tried with all the allied associations to ensure the government in alignment with CDC was allowing our PGA professionals to bring people to their facilities, to get outside, to get some health and wellness in a way that we felt could be responsible. And through that process and through that effort, our PGA professionals they're not ours, but the PGA professionals. I mean, they stepped to the plate uh, without complaint every day, working extra hours, welcoming people to come to their facilities when people really didn't have another outlet other than maybe taking a walk, which golf you can do as well. So I'm not, I, first of all, of course, I'm surprised that we had a pandemic. I don't think anybody could have predicted that. And certainly out of respect for anybody that, that was ill uh, or is ill because of it, our heart goes out to them. But we are thrilled, to be honest with you, that golf has been a respite and so many people have come into the game. Our core golfers are playing more. As you said, we have brand new golfers who never had picked up a club playing. Equipment sales are up. Junior golf is up. I mean, we were up almost a half a million junior golfers just last year at the end of the year. So, you know, while I'm thrilled about all that, uh, I want to give the credit where it's due is to our PGA professionals who are leading that charge. It's certainly taken a lot of work in getting these golf courses up, the business of running the game and making sure there's compliance with all the regulations and all that, and it's varied from state to state. And uh, it, it really has been wonderful to see people fall in love with golf all over again. And, and hopefully that's going to stick. The numbers will stay up, I think, uh, and I think we'll see that. Um, one of the things that's been really neat for me is seeing all kinds of people playing golf, in particular uh, where I live here in Myrtle Beach, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of women out on the golf course. And, and I know you've done a lot of work in, in making females feel more welcome in our game. And as you reflect back on your two years serving as president of the PGA of America, what kind of things have you done to help female participation? I mean, again, our PGA professionals are doing it locally. Uh, you know, for me and in leadership alongside our board of directors and all the leadership we have across the country in our 41 sections, I think just being a female in a leadership position um, has given people the opportunity to see that golf can be a game for them. And there are leaders that are females uh, within our sections that are really working hard to ensure that they have the same experience as anybody else uh, when they come to a facility to play. So as we strive to get more women to play the game, which of course is something all PGA professionals would love to have happen, and we have to put things in place that welcome them, uh, that make them feel a part of it, that make them feel a part of the community. Um, so as we're coaching and teaching them virtually uh, through COVID, you know, you could have 30 or 40 people, much like a Peloton class, shoot, you know, tuning in to your virtual lesson uh, on the lesson tee. And, and that's really been great fun and helpful programs and best practices around the country that we have certainly in a responsible way uh, where we're getting women together on golf courses, making matches for them where they can play together in a socially distant way, but enjoy being at a new beginner level together.
And if that's from the 200 yard marker, if that's just playing the par threes, if that's making every hole on your golf course a par three um, so that they can get some enjoyment out of it, then fantastic. And I have another theory too about more women playing the game because I happen to be a female who loves this part of the game now. I love not raking and I love not pulling the pin out. <laughs> and so I think that's made it faster and more fun for men and women. And moving forward with, with um, attracting females, retaining females, it seems to me like the most important thing is getting folks that play this game to try things that are outside of their comfort zone. Is that something that, that, that you agree with? Is that the way you see it? Try, trying different things and see what works. Yeah, no, I do agree with it. And I'm a huge believer in building community. I mean, if you think about other games, if you think about tennis, for example, as soon as you join a tennis club or a club that has tennis, you're immediately put on a team, no matter your level. So you have instant games, instant friends and people to join in the fun with. And we don't do a great job of that in golf. And now our PGA professionals are bringing people together in a way that really makes them feel like they're a sense of that club. And I think as we offer people community amidst our separation, I mean, people are really looking for connection. And if we can give that to them, whether it's virtual or whether it's at the course responsibly, more women are gonna continue to play the game. Do you, do you think it's really important, and you've served the game a long time, and I know you'll continue to serve the game uh, now as honorary president in a two-year term there and then beyond. Um, do you think it's important that among the, the PGA sections that keeping these issues on the front burner are, are really, really important? In other words, when we anything we look at, we, we have to say, how, how does this impact the entire golf community, not just one section of the golf community. Yeah, we have 41 sections across the country and, and many of them have different geographic issues, different seasons, of course. But as we at the PGA of America from the national level try to have resources for our PGA professionals to be able to choose from. So if they wanna do PGA Junior League, if they wanna do doubles golf, if they wanna do family golf, if they wanna have get golf ready, we're going to offer them those toolkits to be able to implement it really quickly and easily and bring it to whatever facility where they work, whether it's public, resort, private, municipal. We want to make programs that fit into our PGA professionals day, but also give the best experience possible to consumer for as long as possible. And that's really our goal. We want to retain them when they start. Um, and we want them to play more golf. And that has to do with coaching, great coaching. We want people to play better golf. Uh, you and I both know when you play a little better, you want to play some more. Uh, so it's really important that we continue to push our PGA.coach and PGA.com profiles so consumers can find us. And that's really important. As a teacher at heart, it, it seems to me like one of the biggest challenges in golf is that, that first contact with golf. Uh, whether it's something like Top Golf, it's a local driving range, it's a local Muni, are there ways where we can make that first touch may, maybe a little easier, a little more rewarding? Um, maybe figure out a way to, to set the hook early on, on on new golfers. Just and this is from a teaching standpoint. Do you think there's some ways that we can do that? Well, I, yeah, I think there's so many ways we can do that. I mean, first being, uh, you know, re let's relax the rules, right? Let's make sure when they arrive, they don't feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. If they're coming in a, a workout outfit and it's to a public golf course, great. Let's come join us. We want you to be a part of this. Um, let's only give them a couple options for when they go out and play the first time instead of, you know, 
14 clubs in a bag. Um, the manufacturers don't love when I say that, but it's really hard to navigate golf when you're trying to figure out which one to hit, but they all go the same. So at the end of the day, if we could give them three or four options as coaches and say, look, you can have all 14, but here's the four you're going to use until you can make double par. When you can make double par, we're going to add a club. For every hole, you make double par, right? And just help them feel a sense of success in managing their own game. Give them the fun that we all love about it. Make sure they have that couple great shots. Make sure they get to bang a driver on the driving range and, and don't just stand at the putting green for two hours, right, as their first lesson. Um, we have to make the experience fun. There's way too many options out there for people to choose. And if it becomes a chore or it feels like it's too challenging or daunting, they're, they're not going to come back. Mm. Uh, so as a coach, I always try to make sure they have a little success in that first experience. They have some fun. They meet somebody else that they can learn with and grow with throughout the game in that process and that they know I'm their partner in the process. I'm not going anywhere. You know, I want to see them as much as possible, any day possible. I want them to be able to contact me virtually or in person um, so that we can do it together. And, and when they feel that way, they come back. I can't imagine anybody listening to you or watching you talk right now wouldn't want to get a club in their hands and get out on the golf course and hopefully have a teacher uh, that, that has even a fraction of your enthusiasm. Uh, Susie, thank you for your passion for the game, your authenticity, and mostly thank you for your service to this great game. Thanks for your time. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on your show. You got it, Susie.